You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 16 of the Archaeotech Podcast for November 2nd, 2015. I'm your host, Chris Webster, and I'll be joined by a new co-host, Chris Sims. We're resurrecting this show from the dead just days after Halloween, and we're kicking it off with a gear review show. We'll talk about four field batteries that can be used to charge up any USB device, and these are all things we've used ourselves. We'll end the show with a new segment that will highlight a couple apps, specifically weather apps this time. Each episode will feature two different apps from the two Chris's. Let's get to the show. Okay, we're here on the Archaeotech podcast, and just to let the listeners know that haven't seen anything in this feed for a while, we are starting to bring it back, and I think we've got a good schedule. We've got a couple of new hosts, myself, Chris Webster. I'm, I, I do a couple other shows in the Archaeology Podcast Network, if this is the only thing you listen to. And we've got Chris Sims. Yep, I'm also the uh, one of the co-hosts of a forthcoming podcast called the Go Dig a Hole podcast. So you can also check it out on our blog, godigahole.com. And actually, it won't be forthcoming when this episode comes out. It will have come out a few days before. So, okay. <laughs> so go check it out on archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash go dig a hole. Yep. Yep. All right. So we're going to have some themed episodes. I know in the past we've um, focused a lot on some programming and computing and things like that and different applications, which we're still going to do. But we're going to start throwing in some other stuff like gear reviews and stuff like that. Anything that you can use that's technologically related to archaeology. And today... Uh, I figured since we're going to talk about technology in the field, you may as well talk about keeping it running, which means power. So field power is the first thing we're going to discuss. Um, and we're also stay to the end, because if you're not interested in this, fast forward to the end, we're going to have a new segment called uh, App of the Day or some lame thing like that. I don't know what we're going to call it. <laughs> <laughs> but for right now, we're calling it App of the Day. Maybe App of the Bi-Weekly Podcast. I don't really know what we're going to... Yeah, yeah. App, apps by a couple Chris's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good. All right, so we've got a few things to talk about, and I've used all of these, which is why we're going to bring them up. But we're not going to use... We're not going to review anything on this show that we don't actually use, that we haven't actually tested, okay? And for for all of these reviews, uh, check out the show notes page for this podcast, which will be www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash archaeotech forward slash 16 for show notes for this episode. And you'll see links. Um, there'll probably be Amazon links, but we'll probably include some company links as well. And we'll tell you a little about the stuff if you want to go and buy them. However, this first one, I don't know if you're going to want to go and buy it or not. It's the Zag Spark, and it's Z-A-G-G-S-P-A-R-Q. I think they took a page out of Ikea's handbook there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Although that would be like sparking flogging or something. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's the Zag Spark 6000. 6000 stands for 6000 milliamps. And before we go any further, let's talk about milliamps real quick because you have to understand you have to understand milliamps and you have to understand amps before you understand what the hell's going on here. So, first off, milliamps. Think of milliamps as the size of the gas tank in your car. Okay. The iPad, for example, is an 8,600 milliamp battery. And this Zag Spark is a 6,000 milliamp battery. So what that means is, if I tried to charge my iPad on this Zag Sparks, I would only charge it up to 6,000 milliamps, which means about, what, three quarters of the way full, give yeah. or take? So we've got another battery later on, we'll talk about this 20,000 milliamps, which will give me two and a half charges on my iPad. So that's an important feature when you're looking for a battery. If you just need a quick charge at the end of the day, and you only need a few thousand milliamps, and you can get away with only spending you know, $10, $15, and you get a decent battery that'll just get you through the end of the day. But if you're going to be out camping or you know, on a project where you're not, you don't have a lot of access to power, you might want to get three or four charges out of your field battery before you have to charge it again. So that's an important thing to consider, especially if you're charging your field batteries off of, say, solar panels. I would probably start that project with a full charge on the field battery and trickle charge them with the solar panels every day. Because if you wait until that battery's completely dead and try to charge it with solar panels, even nice big ones, it's going to take forever. I mean, solar panels just don't have 
I mean, they're like 15 or 20% efficiency for the really good ones. So they're yeah. just not very good. So anyway, so we got milliamps out of the way. The other thing you have to consider is the output. So a lot of these chargers will have a one amp and a two amp output. I charge everything on two amp. And all that means is, um, to go back to the car analogy, it's like the size of your engine, okay? It's the amount of power being shoved out by the device, okay? They did that because it used to be when these devices came out, I think they probably thought that if I use a two amp charger, which is say an iPad charger on a smaller device, I could fry it or burn it up. But really the reality is it just charges faster. Yeah. Okay, it just pumps it in faster. So look for devices, I would say that just have a couple of two amp outputs cause that's about as high as they come. And th that being said though, don't try to charge an iPad or any large tablet on a one amp because it will take forever if it even works at all. But your iPhone or your, your smartphone or whatever, you can charge just about any of those on a two amp and it's not going to hurt it. Besides, you'll probably get a new phone before your battery gives up anyway. So, all right, so we got that out of the way. Let's talk about the Zagspark uh, 6000. This used to retail for $100. It's got two outputs on it, an on-off switch, um, which I don't like, which I'll talk about as well. And it's got a little switch on the side for uh, letting you know how much battery charge there is. There's five little lights on the front. Each one of them represents 20% of the battery's total charge. And it's got a little flip out wall plug for this which is where this battery fails and why zag probably isn't selling it anymore you can still find them on amazon there's one on amazon right now for 28 dollars 90 cents you can have it here in two days if you've got amazon prime for free shipping so that being said the reason i hate this battery it's my very first field battery my very first external battery that i had uh it's got good ports on it they work well i always forgot to shut it off which was irritating i like the newer ones that just shut off automatically and they turn on when you plug them in but and the first one of these i had actually because the ports are just kind of sitting out there it was in the bottom of my backpack when my wife and i were in hawaii and we were on like a whale watching boat thing my backpack was sitting in the boat and seawater kept splashing in oh. and then we went the rest of the day and I realized the bottom of my backpack was wet and I pulled it out and this thing the battery that I had before was just completely corroded all on the bottom in oh. just like an afternoon from salt water <laughs> it just completely destroyed it <laughs> but the biggest thing I hate about this is the flip out plugs and if you look at the website go to our show notes page and look at the picture of it they're so ridiculous they don't work um, you try to plug this into the wall and the charging lights never light up and then you have to like set it down on a power strip and then put some weight on it and put some other stuff on it or find a nice tight plug that it'll take because the contacts inside just never work. Ugh. It's a good concept. It's a nice light battery, but the design of the plug is just shit. It's absolute crap. Yeah. Sounds like Zagaspark must be Swedish for shit. <laughs> yeah, I think, it, I think it actually is. So that's... That's the thing with this one. I I can't actually recommend it. I can I can recommend it if you've got the patience for it and you only want to spend thirty bucks for a six thousand milliamp battery, which isn't terrible. I think there's better ones on the market these days. Um, it is rugged. I mean, it'll take some stuff in your backpack. Um, the ports aren't enclosed or anything, so you keep that in mind if you're if you're going to be like in a wet environment like I was. You're going to have to put this in some some kind of case or bag or something. Yeah, um, like a dry sack or something like that, or just a Ziploc bag. But aside from that, when it was working, it did work well to charge my devices. You know, it has a 2.1 amp output. Um, actually, both ports are 2.1 amp outputs, so that's good. You don't have to choose which one to plug into. Um, so yeah, that's, it's not terrible, but it's not the best battery in the market. I would say shop around unless you're really looking for a deal and you really don't care and you just want something, head over to Amazon and spend 30 bucks on one. Next, we're going to talk about a battery from Shutterfly, and I'll let Chris take this one because he's been using that. Yeah, so Shutterfly, um, I don't know how important it is for you to customize an external battery pack, um, but as a caveat, uh, my mom got this for me because she was tired of me 
getting back from international trips and giving her a quick phone call and saying, hey mom, I'm back in the States, uh, I'm alive, I still have, you know, like eight hours to go before I'm home, my phone's about to die, that's all I have time up, but phone's dead, <laughs> gotta go. Um, so she got me this battery pack that has a picture of me and my lovely partner, Andy. Um, so it's could... disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> he means adorable, <laughs> but, uh, you could go to Shutterfly and get probably this same picture on your battery pack. We'll link to a picture of Chris and Andy in the show notes if you want to have them on your battery pack. <laughs> yeah. So the price range for this thing is, uh, 15 to about $70, depending on how personalized you want this thing or how powerful it is. Uh, the perks are, it charges with a USB cable, so if you happen to have a laptop with you or an, a, a USB plug, nice. Um, you can charge it on the go pretty easily. Uh, it has a 5,000 milliamp capacity, which works fine for most uh, smartphones, but uh, like Chris Webster just mentioned with the last product, uh, <laughs> It's not enough to really give the uh, like tablets and other more power-intensive products a full charge. Uh, that said, though, it works fine for me to give the battery a full charge and then get a full charge, maybe two, out of this thing before I have to charge it back up onto my iPhone. So now I have you know the option of uh, being on the road, and if I don't have my car charger with me or you know going through an airport, I don't have time to... Uh, you know, stop and plug in, stuff like that. Or, of course, as all archaeologists are familiar with, being out in the field and just needing some more juice, uh, it works fine for that. So it'll get me through a day, maybe two, and then I have to charge it back up. Um, I'd say the big perk is the versatility of it. It's got this, like, four-way cable thing that you can plug into, and it'll fit just about any device. Um, and then, of course, you can put great pictures of you and your partner, or your dog, whatever you want on there. So... Yeah, uh, that's about it for that one. You know, I noticed that the plug that yours came with has the old 30-pin um, iPhone connector, and it also has a lightning jack on it, mm -hmm. and then it has a USB on the end, which is probably for, um, okay, so it's got a USB, which is probably for charging it. You yep. plug this into your computer or into any smartphone adapter, yeah. and then it's got the uh, micro USB that, okay, so you plug the micro USB into the device, and yeah. then you can... Um, that's how you power it. So it looks like if you plug the USB into the device, you can plug the other end into micro USB, lightning cable, or 30-pin connector and charge any one of those devices. So pretty much any Android or iPhone device right. or anything with micro USB. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's actually kind of handy. I like that. that yeah. It just comes with that plug. And it's the nice flat tangle-free plugs, tangle-free cords. Yeah. So, and is this a power on-off switch that it's got on the front? It is. So that's another handy feature. It has um, four lights on the side that let you know the status of the charge inside the battery. That way you know if you need to charge it back up. You can turn it on or off, um, and it's a pretty rapid charge. Um, so I'd say within a half an hour, I can go from zero to maybe 60% charge on an iPhone, which isn't bad. Nice. It, it doesn't say on the website here what the output is, but it looks like it's probably, it's got to be two volts um, or two amps because of the, the speed of the charging. It's got to be at least two amps. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So 2.1 and a 1. Okay, so this is a this is a case where you would want to watch which one you're plugging it into. You can plug your smartphone into either one and it'll charge, but if you plug a tablet into the one, it's never going to charge. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely. It might not even work. Yeah, choose choose the port on the left. <laughs> right, right. 
All right, and we said that was the 5,000 milliamp. Now, presumably they have, um, for the $70 price, presumably they have smaller ones at other price points, um, but we're not gonna go through the whole webpage here. We will link to the webpage so you can look through all their choices because they have, between customizations and, uh, with photos and then the size of the battery, there's uh, lots of different options. And I would actually do that, but uh, here at the Archaeotech podcast, we don't have reliable internet, which I don't know if that says anything about our show or not. This is a temporary condition. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. We'll yeah. make it out of the desert someday. <laughs> nice. All right, well, this is going to be a relatively short show, so we're going to take a break now and highlight one of the other shows on the Archaeology Podcast Network. Before I forget, stay to the end of the show. Listen to a giveaway that we're featuring on the Archaeology Podcast Network for a free iPad Mini 4. So listen for that at the very end of the show, and you can also find that on our website and on all our social media outlets. So we'll be back in a minute. Hello everyone, Chris Webster here from the Archaeology Podcast Network, and we're giving away an iPad Mini 4 to one of our listeners. The iPad Mini 4 came out in September. It's a 16 gigabyte space gray iPad with AT&T cellular ready antenna. All that means is it comes with a GPS. You do not need to get a data plan. And you don't even need to be on AT&T if you never get plan to get a data plan. It just has GPS. It also has a fingerprint sensor and Apple Pay ready and all the good perks that come with that. So it's a good iPad. We use them in the field. There are two easy ways to enter. One, do a Profiles and CRM interview before December 15th, 2015, or recommend someone for an interview. You'll both get an entry once the interview is posted. If you want to know more about Profiles and CRM, go to www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash profiles. All the questions are listed right there. The other way to enter is to like the APN Facebook page and share it with your friends on Facebook to get the word out about our awesome podcasts. The winner will be announced December 16th, 2015 at 4 p.m. Pacific time. So get your entries in, send me those emails for people that want to do the Profiles in Syrian podcast, and good luck to everyone. iMac, take us out with a binary solo. All right, we're back, and after a sip of brandy and benedictine, which I highly recommend on the cold fall days, all right, it's tasty. Um, Chris already guzzled his Oktoberfest, so I guess we don't have any of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so next we're going to talk about the Solio Bolt Solar Charger. Okay, it's a little white device. Let's see, what can I say about this? Well, first, let's get the particulars out of the way. It's pretty well um, ruggedized, okay? This thing, will t you can't dunk it in water, but it does have a nice covering for the port, the charging port, that you charge it with and that you charge your devices with. Um it's, it's really nice. In fact, I wouldn't think anything would get in there. I still wouldn't submerge this in water, but if you dropped it in a river and you picked it up right away, it'd probably be okay. Yeah. You know, as long as this thing was closed all the way. There is a switch on the front that turns it on that I'd be a little worried about. But either way, I think this is a good device for, for rugged field use. Now, here's the thing. Uh, according to their website, it says it holds a charge for up to a year, which I'd be hesitant to believe. Although I just turned it on and got five flashes of the light, which means it's fully charged. <laughs> Out of the, uh, thing. When you turn it on, it'll flash five times, and that lets you know uh, how much charge you have. And it flashed five times, which just gave me a full charge indication, which is ridiculous. I actually haven't used this in a very long time. So you hold the power button back down, and it turns the thing back off. Actually, it just changed the uh, output, which I'll tell you about in a minute. So 
Anyway, this is a really small charger. It's only 2000 milliamps. So this is one of those things. It's like an emergency. I just need quick power and I need to, you know, and I'm almost out of the field or I'm almost out of where I'm going to be. Yeah. And this is also actually intended for, um, for big emergencies too, because this has, it folds in half kind of, it spins on its axis in the center point and it's got two little solar panels. Now I've used these and it takes forever to charge this thing up. Yeah. Now it is only 2000 milliamps. So it's not going to take as long as say another battery. But, and, and on its pivot point, there's a hole and they intend you to put like a pencil, although I never have a pencil. So I've put like a little piece of juniper or a sagebrush in there. So you can actually <laughs> set it in there and angle it at the sun. So nice. Yeah. Because solar panels are at maximum peak efficiency when they're at a 90 degree angle to the sun. When the sun is beaming right down on it at a 90 degree angle to the solar panels, that's peak efficiency. So if you set your panels up, any solar panel up during the day, if you're not adjusting them throughout the day, you're not getting peak efficiency. Yeah, so you're probably not going to want to strap any of these solar panels to the back of your backpack. Probably not. No. Yeah, unless you're, if you're doing north-south transects, then you'll probably get uh, somewhat efficiency yeah. in northern transects. Yeah, 50% efficiency is in <laughs> right. the morning hours. Right, right. So, okay, some other particulars about this before we get into it. It's got uh, one output on it, okay? Just one output, one USB output. And it's got one other micro USB uh, hole there, but that's just for charging it. So any micro USB cable will charge this if you have anything like that. It doesn't take very long to charge and you plug it into the wall. It, it probably takes 30 minutes at best and, and then it's fully charged because it's only 2000 milliamps. Um, one of the other things I like about it is uh, when you first turn it on, it'll give you the number of flashes, five flashes, each flash representing 20% charge. And those flashes will tell you how much it's got on it. So five flashes, 100%. If it's blue when it's doing that or kind of a bluish color, and then it'll periodically flash just to let you know it's on. Um, that means it's at the high output, the 2.1 amp output, okay? Uh -huh. When you hold that down and it goes to green, then the output is one amp. So like I said before, leave it at 2.1. Don't ever switch it. Yeah. There's no, there's no reason for that. Um, so one of the other things this does is when it's charging, when you actually have it, so it's getting some light, and I don't think these lights are the right types of lights because sometimes indoor lights will charge it. You know, some sort of, some types of light will pick up on a solar panel. But anyway, when it is charging, the little switch on the back, which is sort of clear, will turn, will glow red. And it'll, the better charge you're getting on it, the brighter red it'll be. Which is kind of counterintuitive, because if you're getting direct bright sunlight on it, you can't see a goddamn thing anyway. <laughs> so, you really have to, like, cover it and, and, like, really look at it to see if you're getting a charge yeah, on it. Yeah, better if you put it on top of a bush, you can't get inside the bush to see the light that's no. on the back of the device. Yeah, exactly. So, I'd say that's probably only useful to tell you whether or not your, your thing actually still works. You yeah. know, am I actually picking up a charge? So you hold it up to the sun and then look directly at the sun um, and the device? No, I recommend not doing that. Yeah. So anyway, um, this is a good device for what it is. It's a very small charge. Um, that being said, it is $70 on Amazon right now. So yeah. it's not super cheap, but it's intended for emergencies. I'd probably, honestly, I'd probably have this in your pack every time you go camping or hiking or yeah. something like that and, and just have it there. Because if you, if you kill this and it's completely dead and you're out in the bush, you're out in the middle of nowhere, but you manage to hike your way out in a week and you leave your phone off the whole time because you don't want to kill it, you can put this out on the solar panels every single day and then have enough charge to, by the time you get back into some sort of possible signal area, charge up your device really quick and use it, you know? So yeah. it's, it's good for that. It's small, it's lightweight, it's not gonna, you know, take up valuable space or weight in your pack. So that's a good thing. Uh, for $70 though, I don't know, it doesn't compare to a picture of uh, me and Andy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, 
I think for a small fee, you can actually pencil sketch onto the back. It's white, so you know you could probably draw a picture of Chris and Andy onto the back if you really want that. There we go. So you know we'll actually we'll sell these. Um, uh, I'm going to say right now uh, a special on the Architect Podcast. We'll sell them for two hundred dollars, and they will include a custom sketch of of Chris and Andy on the back. Nice. All right. So we're going to go to our last one for the day, and. This is called the Zero Lemon, all one word, although the Z and the L are capitalized, Solar Juice, okay? Now, Zero Lemon, I first heard about these guys because I somehow got signed up. I sign up for websites. I don't even know what the hell happens. But I somehow signed up for a website called Stack Social, and I thought it was going to be another thing I was just going to delete. It turns out it's about the only email I read every single day from Stack Social, and they will send you an email every single day, okay? Sure. But what's in that email is amazing, ridiculously priced tech products. Nice. Okay. Half the time it's all just like programming and coding stuff, and the other half of the time it's brand new, state of the art tech products. I've got a pair of Bluetooth headphones I got from there that are downstairs. I, I got um, the battery we're about to talk about, and I've gotten a few other things off of there too. It's not like this all titanium metal charger for my for my iPhone for the car. I got that off of Stack Social. That thing's great too. Oh yeah. So. Right now, I'm looking at the Stack Social website, and we'll link to this in the show notes. And they have they have time frames on these things, so I don't know how long. This one says it's ending in six days, but they'll probably put another one back up because I bought this particular battery we're going to talk about like like seven months ago. Nice. So they periodically put them up until Zero Lemon probably says, "Okay, we've had enough. You know, <laughs> you're going to have to pay full price now." Yeah. So the battery on the website, which I did buy three of, and I gave it to three people on my crew, is a 10,000 milliamp battery. Now put that back into perspective. That'll fully charge an iPad from zero percent plus a little more. You know, it'll probably charge your smartphone about one and a half times because most smartphones are about 6,000 these days. So the, the bigger smartphones. So, and, and this is a rugged battery. Now, they say it's rugged, but keep in mind the ports are fully open on the end. Okay, so if you are going to be in a wet environment, you're still going to have to put it in a bag. Okay, because they, they will get wet. Um, that being said, though, the whole thing is, is rugged. It, what you can hear banging around on there is this stupid little cheap carabiner that it comes with which you can just take right off but i left mine on there because it's easy to pull out on my pack that way yeah um and the other interesting feature about all the zero lemon batteries if they they have a full body solar panel on one side now it's a high efficiency solar panel as far as solar panels goes that being said it's still gonna take forever to charge a battery like don't rely on it yeah good for emergencies if you got nothing else and you're stranded it'll eventually charge the battery but it'll take a while um is there another way to charge this thing other than the solar panel oh yeah so there's a micro usb port on the side Ah. And you plug that into anything. And that's how I charge it. I've never charged on this. Well, I've tried it just to play with it, <laughs> but I've never fully charged it on the solar panel. Nice. So uh, a couple of things it has. This actually has a power switch on the side. When you push that once, the four batteries on the front will light up. Mine's got two batteries, which means I've got about 50% power. Um, so the four batteries, each one of them is 25%. The batteries will flash when they're charging, mm -hmm. when you plug it in. One thing I've noticed is that the last battery, will, the last light will never stop flashing. I've left the thing plugged in for like three days once, and the last battery just never stopped flashing. I was huh. like, well, it must be full. And then I'm like, I was a little pissed. I was like, how much am I going to get out of this? Is it actually full? But, I mean, I've, I use these things to charge up everything, and I feel like I'm getting way more than the amperage they say I'm getting because it just seems to never die. It nice. just keeps going. So that being said... Right now on Stack Social, the 10,000 milliamp is $30. They say that's 40% off because they're saying it retails for 50. I actually haven't gone to the Zero Lemon website. We'll link to that in the show notes, but I haven't gone there because why would you? You get it for 30 bucks here on Stack Social. The one thing with Stack Social, the shipping's not incredibly fast. It's uh, It can sometimes take weeks to get it to you. Um, just not just like a few days like we're used to with Amazon and other things. So keep that in mind. If you want it now, you're probably not going to get it now. You'll get it in a couple weeks. Um, this has been out for a while, so they've got their stock built up, so it'll probably come to you a little quicker. But just keep that in mind. And it does say free shipping on the website as well. 
anyway, the 10,000 milliamp is $30. The one I actually have in my hand right now is a 20,000 milliamp battery. This is the one I'm telling you. It's just like, I feel like it never dies. Like I've never depleted it. Whatever I've had to charge, I've charged it just fine. And then I charge this back up and it's, you know, it's like nothing ever happened. So yeah. um, it does have two USB ports on the bottom. They're both the 2.1 amp output, so you don't have to worry about it. And then it has between those ports, if you hold down the power button, it's got an LED flashlight. Um, I've never actually used that, but it's nice to have. What the hell? Yeah. You know, um, doesn't take up any extra space and they've got it. We've got it in there just in case you need it. So and it's a pretty bright little flashlight, too. So that combined with the solar panel, this is a pretty good emergency, you know, uh, I'm, I'm lost and I need help advice. Yeah. <laughs> The thing is, this 20,000 milliamp is heavy. And it's big. It's big. It's big. Yeah, it's uh, sitting in my hand, and I have relatively freakishly small hands for my size. It's, uh, it takes up the whole my whole hand. And for reference, it's actually slightly smaller than my iPhone 6S Plus. Um, it's about a half inch smaller than my 6S Plus. It's about the same width, but it's about a half inch shorter. So that'll help you size it so it's about probably the size of the iphone 6 i would say and probably yeah. probably a little smaller than like your samsung galaxy um galaxy s5 or whatever it is yeah because you know, i think that's about this size so of all these batteries that we have that i've tried i can't recommend 011 more i mean it's it's the best battery it holds its charger it holds its charge pretty amazingly well it's got the solar panel in case you need it um it's got two outputs for charging two things simultaneously and on a smaller battery the ones that try to promote that you just de deplete the small battery and neither of them get a charge neither yeah. you do this will charge two ipads fully simultaneously and not to mention bang for the buck i mean you cannot afford not to buy this thing for 30 dollars it's going to charge anything that you throw at it right and we'll put in the show notes the twenty thousand, um because i'm pretty sure the twenty thousand was only like forty dollars i mean it wasn't that much more yeah 35 or 40 and they actually have a thirty thousand milliamp battery that's all black this one has Black where the solar panel is and black on the back, but it's got a bright yellow-green outer coating uh, around the edge. Um, so it's nice, highly visible. So if you drop it in the field or something, you'll probably be able to see it. Yeah. And the smaller ones do as well, the 10,000 milliamps the same way. The larger 30,000 is completely ruggedized. It's supposed to be completely waterproof and everything. I haven't tested it, so I don't really want to talk about it. Um, and it's a little more expensive, but 30,000 milliamps? Come on. I mean, you can charge your car on that. So yeah. um, that reminds me, we'll have to talk about it someday because I don't have it yet, but I remember hearing about a a small field battery that you can actually jumpstart a car with it. Wow. Yeah. So it's got the hookups and everything. You just plug in a little thing and it's got little jumper cables and you actually start a car with the battery. It's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. It's not really probably any more actual carrying capacity than this battery. It's the output. You know, the output's got to be, what is it? What is a car? Like 12 volt battery? Yeah. Yeah. So it's got to be, it's got to have that kind of output to actually start a car and it does. So. Nice. All right, so we are going to take another break, and then we're going to come back and talk about our app of the day. Still recording on paper in the field? Hate having to process hundreds of site records when you get back to the office and would rather go straight to report writing and research? DigTech has the answer. Hi, I'm Chris Webster, founder of DigTech LLC, a disabled veteran-owned CRM firm and archaeological technology research and development firm. At DigTech, we're creating applications for smartphones and tablets that will increase efficiency in the field and will keep archaeologists doing what they love, archaeology, and will reduce the amount of busy work in the office. Some of what we do involves enhancing existing third-party applications that are already on the app stores. Use our consultation form on the website at www.digtech-llc.com forward slash tablet, and we'll help you figure out what digital solution is best for you. The cost of going digital is a lot less than you think, and once you do it, you'll wonder why you ever recorded on paper to begin with. Contact Chris over at DigTech, the parent company of the Archaeology Podcast Network, today, and let DigTech help you save paper, save time, save resources, and go digital. Now, back to the show. 
Okay, so we're back, and uh, this last segment of the show, we'll be covering our favorite apps. Uh, so I'll go ahead and get this one started off with uh, an app that I've used in the field and in my everyday life. It's really changed the way I deal with weather, which is one of our, uh, you know, constantly changing variables. This thing's called RadarCast Elite, and it's available on the uh, iTunes store, the App Store, for $3.299. And uh, I know that paid apps uh, are easy to shy away from, but this one is totally worth it. Uh, it is the most hands-down accurate weather you can possibly get your hands on. It'll make Weather Underground and the Weather.com apps just look like total garbage. Um, which they are anyhow. Uh, it has a bunch of different layers in it that make it pretty useful. Um, you can look at cloud cover, you can look at forecasts, you can look at various different uh, weather models to see, you know, if you're on the edge of a violent storm event, you can see, you know, our pop-up thunderstorm is going to come at you, our tornado is going to come at you. Uh, is the dense cloud cover just cloud cover or is the rain coming in? It also has a really accurate future cast that you can actually plan like down to about a five minute interval and say, all right, team, we got to be out of here in 17 minutes, you know, <laughs> nice. stuff like that. So it's really nice. Uh, and then it has other paid additions that you can throw on there. If you're uh, dealing with tides, you can buy a, a tide forecast and it'll tell you all the tides. And then there's other stuff like travel, uh, truck stop uh, info and stuff like that. So yeah, if you're in the field and you have to plan your field work and plan around weather, you need to spend that $3. It's gonna make your life so much easier. Awesome. You know, I just actually downloaded it while uh, Chris was sitting here because I think he sold me on it. I, I like some of the features that I see on the on the webpage here, the radar looks really nice. I like the push notification says it may start raining in about 14 minutes because I mean, it's still weather. Yeah. You know? So they're not like, hey, it's gonna rain, um, but it may start raining. So just check it out. And I will note since I have an Apple Watch that this does have an Apple Watch component. And I've got some other weather apps that have an Apple Watch component, but none of them actually do radar very well. And I'll, I'll have to update you and see how this does. But it looks like the radar picture on the website here looks really good on the Apple Watch. And it's actually functional. You can zoom in, zoom out. It looks like you can play the um, play the forecast and, and see all kinds of neat details. So definitely, definitely looks good. Although there's some reviews down here that say it's really good, but one review says the Apple watch app needs work. Honestly, I think that's the Apple watch, not the app. There are some connectivity issues. There's yeah. some slowdown issues. If the app uses a lot of data, I mean, the watch doesn't actually store anything. It pulls from your iPhone. So there, Apple's still dealing with that. If a developer puts in too much information that it has to send to the Apple Watch, it'll just spin for too long and people get frustrated with it. So, yeah. but you know, it looks like it's still something that would be handy. And if your watch is, if your phone is sitting in your backpack, you'll probably still get a push notification. It looks like right on your watch and you don't have to pull your phone out. Yeah. But one warning is uh, if you are concerned about data usage, then maybe change your settings so that it's not constantly updating in the background and only turn it on when you need to know because mm -hmm. with all these features and all of the radar and modeling capabilities, it's gonna use a lot of data. Yeah, and it's gonna use your battery too if it's all constantly oh, running yeah. in the background. Yeah, Because it's gonna use your, most of these good weather apps will use your location as well. So it's constantly pinging your, your location and turn the GPS on. Yeah. So it is gonna tank your power, which means uh, rewind 15 minutes <laughs> and, and get one of these batteries. Um, all right, well, let's move on to my app. I was actually gonna talk about um, a different app, but it makes sense to talk about weather apps uh, together. So I'm yeah. gonna talk about one that I use a lot that it's actually super simple. Um, it has radar and stuff, but really what I use it for is the push notifications because 
I mean, I've got a newer phone, so I'm not really concerned with battery life, and I've got a lot of data, which I'm not really concerned with either. So if those are concerns for you, then these probably aren't for you. But the biggest feature I like about this one, and this is called Dark Sky, and the biggest feature I like about this one is the push notification because it knows where you're at and it will give me a push notification on my watch and on my phone that says rain starting soon or drizzle starting soon. Nice. It'll even tell me that it's ended. You know, if I'm like sitting in the house and I want to know, I want to go on a bike ride, when's the rain going to end? It'll just mm -hmm. push notification and say the rain just ended. Nice. You know, something like that. And another thing I like that you can do is you can set up a daily forecast. I've got, since we start so early, I get a push notification at four o'clock in the morning every day of the week and it just comes up on my phone real quick and it says, Today is going to be a high of this, a low of this. There's a chance of rain in your area or nearby or something like that. So as a as a project manager and as a crew chief, it's good to wake up to that. Yeah. <laughs> because if you wake up and you don't check the weather right away, then you're probably not a very good crew chief. But if you if you wake up and you know, you've got this waiting for you on your home screen uh, for your phone on your notifications. You can just instantly look at it. And you know whether or not you can tell the crew to go back to sleep. So, <laughs> you know, or that they're going to be straightening pin flags all day and fixing screens. <laughs> yeah. So between these two apps, your crew will either love you or hate you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, one thing I'm noticing from the screenshots on uh, on Chris's RadarCast app is it's got actual locations of where lightning strikes were, were spotted, um, which is also a very important piece of information for yeah. archaeologists. And it makes polygons for tornado warnings, too. So mm -hmm. if you're in a forest and tornadoes are about to bear down on you, then you know you need to you know, plan your escape route. Mm -hmm. So the Dark Sky app, I, I wasn't intending to talk about it, so I don't have it pulled up here. Um, but if it costs anything, it's only a couple bucks, but I don't even know that it costs anything. But quite honestly, if... If you're considering an app for work, you're probably going to pay for it. I mean, a lot of the good yeah. apps are going to cost, you know, $1 to $3, give or take. Um, there's a few apps we'll talk about in the future that I pay $8, $9, $10 for. But the functionality you get out of that is, you know, exponentially as, you know, equal to the price. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. You, you, when you consider apps and their prices, I think we get, we've gotten conditioned to like, let's just get free apps. But the way I look at it is a $3 app is equivalent to like a 30 or $40 piece of software on a desktop application. Yeah. You know, a, a nine or 10 app is equivalent to like a 60 to $100 desktop application. Yeah. And you get that functionality out of it. So keep that in mind. You're actually getting a really good deal. You shouldn't be getting any ads if you pay anything for it, right. which is also nice because ads are going to take up your data. Of course, we usually get around ads on some of our apps that don't require an internet connection because we don't have cell service. <laughs> so it can't display ads, <laughs> which is nice. But these weather apps, they do need service to work, obviously. So, um, all right. Well, hopefully you enjoyed this new, uh, somewhat new format of the Architect Podcast. We've got a schedule for recording these, so they should be starting to come out every other Monday. And we're going to keep these going. If you have any suggestions for shows or any gear you want reviewed, write a comment in the uh, show notes or you can click the contact page on the website or you can email me at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com you can email the other chris at christopher at godigahole.com and also be sure to check out chris's website at godigahole.com as well it's pretty awesome and check out his new podcast so it's all about uh helping you out with crm it's uh it's not the same thing as a crm archaeology podcast we talk about very different things but it's a companion and it's and an enhancement it's a, you know with those two tools you should be able to do anything you want yeah so all right that's it for the show thanks if you want to help out the podcast network and you like any of these projects click through from the website because it goes to our affiliate link and we get a tiny 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 little cut from that um it does cost us money to put all this on the air yes and and not only that but we're not we're not really going to review anything that we haven't actually purchased and tried out ourselves right. so you know we, we we've invested in this so help us out by 
clicking through to the iTunes, through to Amazon, buying from there, and it'll it'll go a long ways. All right, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. That's it for another episode of the Archaeotech Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash archaeotech. If you like the show and want to comment, please do. You can leave comments about this or any other episode on the website or on the iTunes page for this episode. You can also email us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com or use the contact form on the podcast webpage. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or tweet your questions with the hashtag archaeotech or tag at archpodnet in your tweet. Please share the link to this show wherever you saw it. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so on iTunes or on Stitcher Radio. You can also type the name of the podcast into your favorite podcasting app and subscribe that way. Don't forget to go over to iTunes and leave a review of the show. It helps us get noticed so more people can find our podcast and benefit from the content. Also, send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode and for supporting the Archaeology Podcast Network. If you want these shows to keep going, consider becoming a member for just $7.99 US a month. That's cheaper than a venti quad eggnog latte. Go to archpodnet.com slash members for more info.